Okay, so I have now pressed the record button. It's official. It is official. We are in episode one. So here we are for the post-secondary transition, episode one of a brand new podcast. My name is Patrick Cadigan, and I work in, for Howard County Public Schools, and the goal... Actually, I'm not even going to go there. Megan, do you want to introduce yourself as my co-host? Sure. I am Megan Smallwood, and I also work for Howard County Public Schools. I'm happy to be doing this podcast to hopefully help all you listening and prepare as much as possible for the future. Yeah, it took us a while to get here, but we finally got here, didn't we? <laughs> lots of lots of planning, but I mean, that's what you got to do with post-secondary transition. So, All right. So, yeah. So it's like the the um the planning is all encompassing all right so our initial ideas for this podcast is to we're figuring about 15 minutes of quick conversations on specific topics um probably not more than 30 minutes and we're going to try to post about every two weeks or so so we'll see how that works out uh eventually the idea is to introduce families and if things work out to also include service providers so and then along those service providers um, if we can actually get some teachers that would be interested in talking about this as well but to open this up megan why don't you tell us what is post-secondary transition like if you were to define it that is a loaded question. Um, well, I think the biggest thing is recognizing there's so many different transitions as you you know move through the school timeline. So post-secondary is focused more on like ages 14 through 21 in preparation for after 21, which can be a scary thought at age 14 because you're just thinking about high school. But in reality, you know, it's just such a small portion of that timeline when post-secondary is just, you know, the rest of your life. So the time spent planning for that, you know, with the help from the school system while you have it is really important. Um, so there's just so many milestones within post-secondary transition. And I know we have a lot of feedback and, you know, suggestions moving forward with that, but it's just uh, a major part of planning, as we said. <laughs> now, when you... So I heard you mention feedback, and we might as well jump right into it. Where does your where does the primary feedback come from? I think just from talking with parents, um, not being scared to think about that future. I mean, a lot of times there's parents who, you know, when I show up in IEP meeting, they're like, "Oh no, no, I, I got time. I, I don't want to think about this. I, I don't, I don't have to worry about this." You know, we're we're in our bubble with school they're at home with me um but i think just preparing for 18 when they're technically seen as an adult and what do you want them to do like the, i think the biggest question i like to ask parents is what what is your you know goal for the future what do you see them in doing in 10 years 20 years you know what and that that kind of leads to conversation cuz every family has a different view on that some are happy just having them at home whereas others like want them to be employed so gotcha. it's it's kind of family driven although you know on the school end 
our focus is to make sure everyone's included in their community and the goal for Maryland is everyone's going to be employed, but, you know, realistically, when you're talking to some of the parents, we, we know there's, there's, it's individualized. There's going to be challenges in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then why don't we segue into, so that we can set this up. Um, Megan, tell, tell us who you are, where, where, sure. where, where do you come, where, like, where, where did where did your start in life come from? I was born on a fall day. No. <laughs> so I'm originally from New York, Long Island area. Um, and I grew up with an older sister with um, a severe intellectual disability. So um, special ed has always been ingrained in me. You know, I lived my mother's experience fighting for her to be included and go to our home school because she was sent off to a separate day school, which is nothing wrong with that. But um, for my sister, you know, she was, she would have thrived from being at our homeschool. So um, I experienced all that. And then I experienced the whole transition journey uh, as she turned 21. Um, so that kind of fueled the fire in me, you know, and I went to get my bachelor's in special ed um, and elementary ed at Marywood University in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And from there, um, I came down here to Maryland and um, ended up getting my master's at the University of Maryland College Park um, in severe disabilities. And I started teaching in Howard County in 2005. Um, and yeah, so I'm going on eight, year 18 coming up. And I started as an ALS teacher at Clarksville Middle School. So I was there for six years, and then I was getting my master's at the same time. So I realized that um, transition was really what I wanted to do um, and work with those who were leaving the school system. So I went over to Marriott's Ridge High School, and I was there for six years. And then every year I was nagging our uh, transition lead teacher for the county, asking if there were any openings or transfer positions available because I really wanted to focus, you know, more out of the classroom and work with the parents preparing for that transition. And finally, my my time came and some year going on year six now as a transition specialist. And then um, one of the things that I heard you say was, is that your sister was, uh, talk a little bit more about that where, so she was in a separate public mm -hmm. day school. So what does that mean? So on Long Island, they do it by districts. So our district for our town had, you know, the high school, the middle school, the elementary school. Um, they didn't have a life skills class. They didn't really meet the needs at that time of those who required more, um, basically on the certificate track. So she would get a bus and have to go few towns over to where they had a separate day school and that's where most of the students from you know the area where in Nassau County would attend um but by middle school my mom was really fighting to get her to be at our middle school and be in our high school um and she was one of the first in the middle school to have like a, a life skills class um and same with the high school so she was able to exit at 21 at the high school that I exited from and actually, it worked out. She exited the year I graduated. So we both left at the same time. Very cool. All right. And then, so, refresh my memory. How many years have you been in the system? And when I'm I, when 18. I, <laughs> that makes it sound like we're in prison or something. But no, so, you, so you have been in the public school 
sphere for 18 years. Yeah. All right. Um, in that time, what's your biggest reward as a teacher? Um, I have built relationships with the families that I've worked with and had on my caseload um, where, you know, I still keep in touch. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I was just having breakfast with one of my uh, former students and his mom. Like, that's what I love, just especially as a life skills teacher. You know, you have them for so long. In high school, you might have them for six or seven years. Um, and it, it to me, they almost become family, you know, and I just like continuing that relationship on and seeing them thrive. So that's been the biggest reward for me. Very cool. Now, and then the inevitable question becomes if you, when she would be able to identify your reward, what's the, what's the biggest challenge? <laughs> so I was really thinking about this and, you know, all those frustrating moments, especially back in the classroom. I think for me, you know, you work for a school system, you have to follow procedures and things that you're supposed to do. Um, and it can be tough when you just want to skip all that because you have those close relationships with families and students and you just want to do what you know is best for the student and the family. But in the eyes of the school system, it may not be the right path. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's it's it can be very frustrating, you know, because you get so close and inevitably it kind of can, you know, blow up in your face because... You can't do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And then, but it sounds like your interest in transition started because you had to watch what your sister was going through in my, yeah. Is that and I think that was always kind of in the back of my mind. And, you know, as I was home for the summers from college, I worked at um, a group home and you know, got to really bond with some of the individuals who were in their 20s, 30s, um, and lived in a group home. And I got another view of life after 21. So when I went back for my master's and had to take the class on transition, you know, I really was interested in all those, the nitty gritty and the specifics about it. And it was like, I, that's what I wanna focus on. Very cool. All right, mm -hmm. well, I'll tell you what, that sounds, like a good place to stop. Um, this is, again, episode one. Um, what we've covered is, is a good start. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and sign off on episode one. And hopefully we'll get some listeners who come back and listen to episode two. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.